Well, she was probably just a teenager, but Mary, she knew how to praise her Lord. In fact, Pastor Trent Griffith says we can all learn from Mary's example. Whatever my soul magnifies reveals the true Lord of my soul. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. But if you choose not to magnify the Lord, then it will reveal what you think is most magnificent. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, are you ready for a little Christmas in July? Pretend you're hunkered down, maybe some lake effect snow's falling outside, and you're looking right at your Christmas tree with a hot cup of coffee in your hand. Well, last December, Pastor Trent gave the message that we're about to hear, and it's from a passage in the New Testament that we often read around Christmas time. But the lessons that we can learn from it, they're powerful no matter what time of year it is. This week and next week, we're finishing up a practical and inspiring series on prayer. And today, Pastor Trent hones in on a specific kind of prayer. Let's listen together. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. This is the final message in our Simply Pray series. And today's title is Simply Praise. We've given you this little acronym to help you have kind of a template for your prayers. And we've been learning to pray scripture. This prayer template is just an acronym. It's an acrostic of the word pray. And we've said that the P stands for praise. R is repent. A is ask. And Y is yield. Last week we talked about moving from asking to yielding. And we are going to end where we began with praise. Do you know what the most often repeated command is in the Bible? Anybody know? Anybody know? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord is not just an exclamation. It is a command and our praise is translated into our prayers. And so it is appropriate that before we ask God to do the impossible, that we acknowledge that he is a God who can do the impossible. In our praising him, we are magnifying him for who he is and for what he has done. And so we're about to read a very famous section of scripture. There have been many, many theologians that have written about this particular section, and uh, it, so much so that it has a special name. It is known as the Magnificat. The Magnificat is a word that is a Latin word, the Latin translation of this section of scripture, the first word of this section is magnificant. And so uh, many uh, things have been said about it. As a matter of fact, N.T. Wright said this, the Magnificat is one of the most famous songs in Christianity. It's been whispered in monasteries. It's been chanted in cathedrals. It's been recited by small remote churches by evening candlelight and set to music with trumpets and kettle drums by Johann Sebastian Bach. But when Mary sang the Magnificat, she was singing the gospel before the gospel. A fierce, bright shout of triumph 30 weeks before Jesus' birth in Bethlehem 
30 years before his death at Calvary, the Magnificat is all about God and it's all about revolution and it's all because of Jesus who's only just been conceived. And so let's begin reading here in Luke chapter one, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he is sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And so we know that Mary had a song of praise and it all began with this phrase, my soul magnifies the Lord. Do you have a soul this morning? Do you have a soul? Yeah, so what is this thing, the soul? Mary had a soul and she's saying that her magnification of the Lord was coming from her soul. Simply put, your soul is just the immaterial part of you. The next phrase that she uses there is she mentions her spirit. Same thing, the word soul and spirit is used interchangeably in different parts of the scripture. And I think we try to make too much of the difference between the soul and the spirit. But she's just saying this is coming from the deepest part of who I am, the soul. And, and a lot of people would kind of deny that there's this immaterial part of you. Well, you want there to be an immaterial part of you because it's the only part of you that can actually connect with an immaterial God. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This immaterial part of us is that which connects with God. Here's the bad news. Your soul is broken. It's bent. As a matter of fact, the scripture indicates it's dead. Until God comes and activates life in your dead soul, you have no capacity to praise God, to know God, to magnify God, and for God to do anything for you, your soul has to be reconnected to God. You say, that sounds kind of spooky and mystical. Listen, um, many of you, if you're in high school and college, you took a class in psychology. How many of you have ever taken a class in psychology? Do you know what the Greek word for the word soul is in this text? Psyche. You know what psychology is? It's the study of the soul. And so even godless people would acknowledge there's something going on inside of you. It's, it's the part of you that a surgeon can't put on a table and cut open and pull out. There is something that God has created in you that he wants to connect with him. And your soul is meant to magnify the Lord. As a matter of fact, my soul was made to magnify God specifically made your soul for the single purpose of magnifying the Lord. Now, there's a lot of different ways to magnify. I, how many of you have glasses on right now? Okay, because you got old like me and you can't. I remember the day that I was preaching and I, re, I looked down to read my Bible without glasses and I'm like, where did it go? Can somebody read verse four for me? Because I can't see it anymore. So fortunately, now in, in the modern day, we have 
magnification that helps us to see better. Do you understand that's what your soul is supposed to do? It's supposed to magnify the Lord so people can see him better. Now, John Piper has famously said that there's two kinds of magnification. First of all, there is microscope magnification. Um, There's when you get a germ or a disease or something and you put it on a slide and you take a, a microscope and you look down and what you see in the microscope, you see something that is very small, but it appears bigger than it actually is. Now, When Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, she was not saying, I am going to make God look bigger than he really is. Do you understand that you cannot make God look bigger than he really is? So our souls are not microscopes. John Piper says our souls are telescopes. You see a telescope, you point it at something that is enormous. It's just really far away. And the telescope magnifies it so that it appears closer to the size that it really is. My soul is a telescope. And there is a lost world out there that desperately needs to see how enormous and magnificent our God really is. And so my words, my actions... My attitude, my marriage, everything about me flowing from my soul should be that uh, something that others can look into and see through to see this magnificent God. And Mary made a choice. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now you need to know something about your soul. Not only was your soul made to magnify But if my soul does not magnify the Lord, it will find something less significant, less magnificent to magnify. Because God created your soul to magnify. It's going to magnify. Even if you say, I don't even believe in God. I don't believe in this stuff. Well, you believe in something. You're going to magnify something. Your soul is attracted to magnificence. And there's something in your soul that's... Our our souls don't magnify small things. It magnifies big things. And so if you have a misdirected magnification, you will choose as your object of magnification something less magnificent. How many of you have already seen the new Star Wars movie? Raise your hands. Okay, those of you that have are very proud of the fact. How many of you actually got dressed up... And like Princess Leah and you, you, yeah, okay. So you, no, you got, so anyway, so I went to see this movie. And so I'm, I'm just kind of marginal Star Wars. I was 10 when the first one came out. And so it's kind of part of my past. And it's amazing how Luke and Leah have aged, but Chewie never does. Have you noticed that? Okay. It's like, so I'm just like, so I'm, I'm like identifying with Chewie. I don't age when I go to these movies. So I, I do feel like I'm like 10 when I go back there. But it, I mean, there's this phenomena that happens. It, you're in a movie theater. It's a film, okay? The actors aren't there, okay? But when something magnificent happens, the crowd that I was in, everybody broke into applause. I'm like, they, they can't hear you. They're, it's not real. It's not real, okay? It's science fiction, okay? But 
You, do you know why that happens? And for you, it may not be Star Wars. It may be a sports team or it may be music or it may be an artist or it may be an athletic accomplishment. Our, our souls are so bent to magnify the magnificent that we magnify things like love and relationships and money and power and sports and fashion and beauty and education and career and success, health, fitness, food and Star Wars. Because if our souls find something less significant than God and we have a misdirected magnification, then we will miss out on the most magnificent thing or one that our souls could magnify. And so we're dealing with less magnificent things when God wants our souls to be magnifying him. Whatever my soul magnifies reveals the true Lord of my soul. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. But if you choose not to magnify the Lord, then it will reveal what you think is most magnificent. And so whatever ends up Becoming your Lord actually ends up controlling you. You spend your money on it. You spend your time on it. You spend uh, your, your energy on it. You spend time thinking about it. So what is it that your soul has chosen to magnify? It's whatever you think is most significant. And my soul actually becomes like what it magnifies. The more time you spend gazing into it, the more money you invest in it, the more you stare at it, the more it begins to change you. And this is actually the way the Lord changes us. If you will get your focus on God as the most magnificent one, you will find that your words become like his words. Your thoughts become like his thoughts. Your actions become like his actions because God wants to do some soul work deep down on the inside of you. And that's what he had done for Mary. She says, my spirit, in verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, I want you to think about this. I don't know what your concept of Mary is. Can we just kind of um, erase some of the glamour that we have around Mary? Mary was probably about a 14-year-old girl who wakes up one morning and finds out she's pregnant and she's not married. Now, any dads in the room of 14-year-old girls? I have a 14-year-old girl, okay? If my daughter woke up this morning and came and found me and said, hey, Dad, just want to let you know, I'm pregnant. You're what? Who is he? And where's my shotgun? Okay? <laughs> no, 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 Dad, you don't understand. You're just like, I haven't, I, I don't have, we didn't, I never, I'm, I'm a virgin, but I'm pregnant. Okay, now... You're pregnant and you're a liar because that doesn't happen, okay? That is, that, that is just, but that was her reality. Can you imagine her trying to explain that story to all of her Instagram followers and all of her, her friends, her former friends now? And can you imagine the awkward conversation of going to her fiance and saying, I'm pregnant? 
But wait, we didn't, who, I didn't, we've never, who, you've, so do you understand that her first response was probably not rejoicing at this? The information that she just got about her being pregnant had the potential to actually wreck her life. She probably lost her reputation. She probably lost her friends. She almost lost her fiance. And so it took a yielding of her soul to understand what God was doing to actually embrace the plan of God and get her soul and spirit to a place where she chose as an intentional, voluntary act. I'm going to rejoice in what God is doing even though I do not understand his plan. She had to bend her soul to God's plan. We read about that if you just kind of look up the page a little bit. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That was an intentional choice deep down on the inside of her to believe that what God was doing was a good thing. And because of it, she chose to magnify the Lord. And the choice Mary had is the choice that everybody here today has. No matter what's going on, whether you understand it or don't understand it, can you get your soul to a place where you choose? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The reason we don't do that is because we do not understand who God is and we do not understand what God is doing. Praise is a response to who God is, an accurate view of God and an accurate view of what God is doing in the world. And so we need to discuss these two things. That's what Mary got to in her prayer. In this song lyric, she left for us a description of who God is and what God is doing. So let's consider those two things. First of all, magnify the Lord for who he is. And so let's discover in her praise who he is. She tells us in verse 48, it says, actually in verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. So the first thing that we need to know is that God is a savior. He is our savior. His nature is to save. His nature is to rescue. His nature is to find people who are helpless and come to where they are and get them to a safe place. He is a savior. And I want you just to let your mind think for a moment here. Do you see the words on the page? Put your eyes on the page. Mary says that she's rejoicing in God as her Savior. Mary needed a Savior. It's amazing to me, it puzzles me a little bit, of how much people and people in the church want to magnify Mary. I don't understand that. There is nothing in the Bible that magnifies Mary. Even in this prayer, what Mary has left for us 
is a magnification of God. And yet somehow we want to magnify Mary. I I found this tweet a couple of weeks ago by Pope Francis. And this is what he says in his tweet. I didn't know the Pope tweeted. Apparently the Pope's got a Twitter account. So he says, may the Virgin Mary always be our refuge, our consolation, and the way that leads to Christ. I'm sure Pope Francis is sincere. I'm sure he's a wonderful man. I do not understand why the Catholic Church wants to magnify Mary. Now listen, if you've had a Catholic background, my desire is not to be hostile toward the Catholic Church, but I do want to be truthful. I'm not down on the Catholic Church. I'm down on bad theology, and and I'm, I'm really up on magnifying the Lord. But I don't understand why we magnify Mary. Don't magnify Mary. Magnify the Lord of Mary, the Savior of Mary. Contrary to Catholic teaching, Mary was not immaculately conceived. Mary didn't live a sinless life. Mary was not miraculously assumed into heaven. Mary is not the co-redemptrix of Christ. Mary should not be venerated. Mary isn't listening to your prayers. Don't pray to Mary. Pray like Mary. Mary's too busy in heaven praising Jesus. And so don't pray to Mary, pray to the Lord of Mary. Mary isn't the dispenser of blessing. As a matter of fact, it says in verse 48, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Why does our generation call her the blesser? She's not the blesser, she's the blessee. And you can be blessed, but not through Mary. Listen, Mary is the way that God got Jesus to us. Mary is not the way that we get to God. That is only Jesus, right? So don't magnify Mary. And so I I think Mary would be absolutely appalled to know that people magnify her and name things after her, like universities, Um. I don't know if you know, we have a local university in town that's named after Mary. Uh, Actually, two. We have St. Mary's and then that other one, I forget. Uh, Notre Dame, right? Did you know that the name, Notre Dame, it's not named after a football team. Um, uh, the, The words Notre Dame, it's French, and it means, translated into English, Our Lady. And the lady they're speaking of is... Is Mary, and at the end of the football games, they sing a song to her. It's it's a it's a hymn. You might want to think about that next time you're tempted to sing that. Because God doesn't want us magnifying Mary. He wants us to magnify the Son of Mary. Don't pray to Mary. Pray like Mary. Don't praise Mary. Praise like Mary. Don't magnify Mary. Magnify the son of Mary. D.A. Carson said this. If God had perceived our greatest need was economic, he would have sent us an economist. If entertainment, an artist. If political stability, a politician. If health, a doctor. But he perceived our greatest need involved our sin. 
And so he sent us a savior. And Mary understood that her sin needed a savior. And her soul magnified the Lord because she realized that what was growing on the inside of her was the promised one who could save her from her sin. And so we magnify the Lord. He's a savior. Secondly, he is mighty. Look at verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. He is a mighty God. He's omnipotent. He has all power. God can do anything at any time he wants to do. He can crush anyone who opposes him. And he can accomplish anything that looks impossible to me is not impossible to God. As a matter of fact, again, if you let your eyes go right up the page, look at verse 37. This was a conversation that the angel Gabriel had with Mary before she praised him. And this angel wanted her to know what he wants us to know. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, he's mighty. And even though I can't see it with my eyes, even though I am a humble servant, 14-year-old, unwed, pregnant girl, God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants it, he is mighty. Do you believe that? Do you believe that whatever looks impossible to you, God can accomplish without burning a calorie? Here's another thing. Not only is he mighty, he is holy. Do you see it in verse 49? And holy is his name. The fact that God is holy sometimes gets lost on us in the Christmas story because we're, we're talking about the imminence of God, that, that he is with us. He comes and becomes one of us. And he, he's born as a, as a baby in a manger that you can hold in your arms. And, and even the nativities, we, we play with these things. And nothing wrong with any of that. That just is expressing our praise for the imminence of God. But in that, we cannot lose the transcendence of God that, that in many ways he is not like us at all, namely in the fact that he, he has complete moral perfection. He is uncontaminated by sin. He is completely unpolluted. He is holy. His name is holy. We approach him with reverence and awe and fear and worship, and we bow down in his presence. Well, Pastor Trent has been sharing some of the attributes of God that Mary was magnifying in her song of praise. He gave this message around Christmas in 2017, but it's helpful and challenging to us no matter what time of year it is. So how are you doing at obeying the most often repeated command in the Bible to praise the Lord? Can you think of any ways that you can try to magnify Him even today? This program and podcast is a production of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. If you'd like to visit our church for a service, here's how. Just go to our website, harvestgranger.org. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. Click on Worship With Us. There you'll find helpful information about times and locations, as well as what to expect. Once again, just go to harvestgranger.org. 
And be sure to look us up on Facebook by searching for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Next week, we'll hear the conclusion of this Christmas message from Pastor Trent as he continues walking us phrase by phrase through the Magnificat. You won't want to miss it. Well, Merry Christmas in July, and thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word and God's praise would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.